Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Chalo's Wine Market in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're 11 years old, you've already lived through a revolution. In July 2008, Apple launched the App Store. An app was a whole new thing, an application that would work on your iPhone to accomplish a specific task. And it was designed and built by a third party, that is, not Apple. Google and its Android operating system weren't far behind, and over the past decade, apps have been downloaded to phones hundreds of millions of times. Whether you're 11 years old and glued to a device or older and resistant to technology, apps on our phones are literally an integral part of our lives, and the revolution is far from over. Today, local software developer Calvin Frabry is at the leading edge of it. Calvin is the founder and president of a company called Invoke. We're going to get to all the cool things Invoke and its 25 employees create, but the one that's getting the most buzz right now is an app called LA Wallet. It allows you to put your driver's license on your phone. And the state of Louisiana is the first state in the nation to recognize your digital driver's license as legally acceptable everywhere. This is a big deal, and it can get a lot bigger as it spreads across the country. Calvin, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. When you're designing an app, you need to be able to answer the question, what problem does my app solve? Gerald Huffman had a problem, the same one most of us have, where to find a good deal on a good meal at a restaurant or bar. Unlike most of us, Gerald decided to build an app to solve that problem. That app is called Plate. It lets restaurants and bars add deals in real time and lets users find those deals. For example, we're here at Marcello's. If the chef has a risotto special he wants to try out tonight, he can put it up on plate for a special price. You check the app. You might not have thought about going to Marcello's, but now it's attractively affordable. Gerald, this is a great idea. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Excited to be here. Calvin, I don't think it would be unfair to say that the Louisiana legislature is not known for its forward thinking or its embrace of revolutionary technology. And yet, here we are. Louisiana is the first state in the nation to pass legislation making it permissible to carry a digital driver's license. The person responsible for making that happen in Louisiana is, is you. This is a show about business, so let's cut to the bottom line. What's in it for the state? Can they make money out of LA Wallet? And why did the state of Louisiana do this? Wow, it's a handful of questions there. We like to start um, easy. Yeah, I do like to say that the state, while we're not known normally as being a forward-thinking state, we are getting the, the new phrase, the Silicon Bayou, because of all of our rich tax credits, all of our rich incentives for digital-type uh, oriented companies. And our, and our colleges are, very, are doing a great job of equipping uh, students for computer science type jobs. Um, and we like, to, we like to keep them here because of the language, the heritage, and the culture of Louisiana. We like to make our mamas proud. Absolutely, but we still don't think of our government as the most forward thinking. No, we don't, but this app, anyone can build an app that can hold a license. But it took a lot of legislation, a lot of social engineering, it had, we had to get Louisiana State Police in the same room with the General Counsel, with the Department of Public Safety, and the techies. 
everyone got together in this endeavor to come up with something that when I leave my wallet at home, uh, I, I don't go get it. If I leave my phone at home, I always turn around and go get it. So now we've got a legal digital credential that's very authoritative. It's, it's what you use to go get a passport. We've now got that in a real-time, uh, secure fashion on your phone. So what happens if somebody steals my phone? Well, they, they have to get inside of your phone. they got to guess your password or fake your fingerprint or your face. Then they have to find the app, launch the app, put in another PIN, maybe log in using a user ID password, and fake your fingerprint again. So we, we think we've done all of our homework as much as we can, but again, we don't like to issue challenges. And the other immediate question is, do I have to hand my phone to a policeman that pulls me over? That is Does a, he then have access to my phone? That is a great question. Um, state police explicitly said, we do not want to handle the citizen's phone. Um, so that's why we came up with the no-touch solution. The, the officer can get the information from the phone visually without touching the phone. Uh, because if you think about it, the officer doesn't want to be accused of breaking your, your, your screen or anything like that. And, and likewise, the officers don't want to use their phone in an arrest because if they do, every bit of information on their phone is now, can now be subpoenaed. So they like hands off, don't touch, don't use my phone. I have so many more questions. Yes. But let's talk to Gerald as well. Sure. Gerald, there's a point of view that the difference between successful people and the rest of us is that we all have ideas, but successful people are the ones who do something about it. You were a student looking for a cheap meal. And there were a number of ways you could have solved that problem. You could have learned to cook. You could have dedicated yourself to making lots of money so meals seemed cheaper. But instead, you found a software designer, built the Play app, and after you finished school, you made it a full-time business. Now that it's working and restaurants, bars, and customers are using the app, what's your definition of success going to be? I think that my definition of, it, of success is kind of ever-evolving. You know, at first it was... We just it's always a bit an, ahead of where yeah, you are. Yeah, we, we just need to get an app in the app store, that's success. But then once we got it there, then it was, we need to get some restaurants on board, then that's success. And so now we have different milestones of active users that we're trying to get to and things like that. So I don't think that there is a set definition of success because if you, if you get comfortable with one metric, I, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice. And you have this wonderful story, and we all like the wonderful stories. I was a hungry student. I didn't have much money, so we looked for all the specials. Now, be honest with me. Is that just a convenient story that you made up for the marketing, or did it actually happen no, like that? No, that, that was 100% how it happened. I remember I had a student working position at uh, the print shop on UL's campus, and that was my daily routine to go on everybody's social media, all the different restaurants, and look for different specials that they were going that they were offering, um, and that is the core of how I came up with it because I ran into so many wrong specials or people not updating. I would miss something, and that is uh, how the idea was was started. That's fantastic. So, both of you, I don't mind who goes first. Are you looking to scale what you're doing across the country? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've had a number of states uh, contact us already, and we have prepared legislation for those states to pass because we have to have legislation in order to... And I presume it's easier it once you've done it once. Yes, yes. We always try to scale it and make it a, a process, just like a franchise. Will eventually my passport be on my phone as well? 
There are a couple of companies that are doing passports for foreign countries. Um, HID Global is one that is just That's good because they come from a foreign country, yes. so we'll be well, all right. Well, theirs is Tanzania. That's, I believe, the first country to have uh, digital passports uh, through HID Global. But you can, you can believe it's going to be coming. And they're, the, the passports now that we have have chips in them, but these will have real-time connectivity from your device to make sure that you're Well, I've, got, I've got a question for Calvin. Yes. That's cool. Oh, yes. All right. So it's called LA Wallet. When do you think that the actual wallet's going to be obsolete? When do you think people stop carrying them? Oh boy. Um, well, right now LA Wallet just carries your your driver's license, and it can be used to uh, to provide proof to a law enforcement officer at a traffic stop. Now we do have other adoption, but the holy grail of the digital driver's license, where you can leave your wallet at home, of course, is TSA when you go and you fly out of Lafayette into another country. Yes, please. So that road, we have a technical roadmap and then an adoption roadmap. Yeah, it seems like y'all just kind of play into the, you know, pay everything with your phone, Apple Pay and all that stuff. It seems yes. like y'all play right into, why do I need a wallet anymore? That's right. Which is pretty That's cool. exactly right. And by the way, I just downloaded your app while we're talking. Perfect. <laughs> There's one more. Perfect. Gerald, how do you intend to scale? Are you just going to go to the, are you following the waiter when we go to the next town? Or are you just going to do a worldwide launch? We're probably going to do a city to city approach because we have the, traditional chicken or the egg dilemma. You gotta have the restaurants to get the users, you gotta have the users to get the restaurants. Um, I don't think that we're going to pepper it as, in as many cities as possible because that lowers our chance of success in those cities just because of the the dilemma of the chicken or the egg. So we're, we're going to do a city by city approach um, and once we get it ironed out in Lafayette, uh, probably jump into a bigger market. Where's next, Baton Rouge? Uh, we, we've been looking at New Orleans. Okay. That's, that's a favorite there, um, just because they are a lot bigger than the Lafayette market and it'll be a sink or swim for us. Do you guys rely on something proprietary, your softwares, your patents, or is this just a case of being first to market? Uh, for us, we do have a patent pending uh, for some of the, the security features within the app. Um, and that's a fun process. It is a, yes, it is, you have to decide, um, am I infringing on someone else's patent? Am I going to search? How hard am I going to search to find something that's very much like what I do? Or am I going to go first to market and, you know, take my chances? Yeah, we don't, we don't have any proprietary um, technology. We have no patents, but we've realized early on that what we're doing, it's it's so intricate that it's it's hard to replicate. And our, our developers, Trent Guillory and Caleb Mathern, they've done an excellent job of creating features inside of our app that are gonna be extremely hard to replicate, like a time scroll feature so that you can jump forward in the day and still look at real time views. So it's, we don't have any proprietary technology, but we do have some kind of a defense on it. And you started with two and you've brought on more developers. Yeah, so it started off with me and Thomas Trahan, and we uh, we got a prototype app out to the market um, that we kind of just had to hack together. We don't have any kind of uh, technical backgrounds at all, either one of us. You were um, just really hungry. Oh yeah, so we well we figured uh, this was a problem that we have, so it's got to be a problem other people have. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's one thing that we're uh, that that we started just us two. And Thomas is actually the one that brought on the, the whole idea of the drink concept. I was always looking for the food, and I'm not trying to call Thomas an alcoholic, <laughs> but he, he was the one that said, well, you know, 
we need to do it for drinks too if we're going to do it. So that's how the idea evolved. We built a website, then got a prototype app out, and then we recruited two more guys to come on board to do the technical side and get us a new platform on the market. And you do have competition out there. Do you think you've just worked harder to make the connections with the restaurants than people that rely on just the app end of it? Yes, the, the relationships are tough uh, to form because you know restaurants and bars are getting sold to constantly, which is an issue that we didn't really know about. Um, so we've, we've found all the, that there's a lot of value in the actual relationships with it. Um, and as for this concept that we're doing, there's not really too much competition actually in the state. We have some competitors that are uh, in other states in the country, uh, but we're kind of isolated here in Louisiana, so we have a good playground to figure it out. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Gerald Huffman from the Play app and Calvin Fabry from Invoke. Calvin. So let's talk money. How do you make money from your apps? Are your apps sold? Do you make money from the restaurants? Do you make money? Does the government give you money for this? How, how, how are you monetizing these apps? There is a $5.99 charge for adding your license to the app, but that's good for the issuance of your license. For example, I have a six-year license, and that's about a buck a year to carry my license on, on my phone. So, yes, we do get that. Of course, Apple, since it is a digital good, Apple and Google take, wait for it, 30% of that. So, which, which is really great about your app because you're doing food. Yeah. So, that's something tangible. That's not susceptible to the, uh, the 30%. Yeah. And we actually decided to do a flat fee for the restaurants and bars that are on board. Um, we played around with the idea of doing a percentage-based system. But the fact that we do specials and discounted deals... Um, it made the percentage-based platform uh, not very ideal because their margins are already cut with a special or a deal, so we didn't want to cut into that anymore. So the restaurants and bars pay us a flat fee every month. Calvin and Gerald, this is the part of the show that we call Your Brother-in-Law. You're just getting in from a long day at work, ready to relax when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally he only calls when he's got a card game and he wants to invite you, but this time it's different. This time he has a business proposition. Calvin, your brother-in-law says he has a great idea for your company. He lives in Miami now, but when he was back home in Lafayette recently, he used this app called Plate. It's a way to get a cheap deal on a meal. Your brother-in-law says you could build an app just like it and he could run it in Miami. He suggests you call it Plato, which is Spanish for plate, and it could specialize in Cuban and Central American food. What do you tell your brother-in-law? I say, brother-in-law, that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of money. Let me give you Gerald's number. Yes, and I know Gerald, so we're not going to be competitors with Gerald. That's, we get that a lot. Um, you've heard, um, well, it's kind of like the Uber of food, or it's the Uber of this, or the Uber of that. We, as, and as lately, a software we, company. We get, now in Lafayette, it's the waiter of this. That's, That's right, our, the our waiter latest. of this. It's the yes. waiter of this. We get a lot of that. And what we do is we ask them, um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs come to us, and we, we ask them, we, we give them an idea. We give them a, what's called a design spike. So it's, let's drill down on the hardest parts of the things you're trying to do, and let's kind of, kind of get an, an estimate of what that's going to cost in terms of effort. And we've had people say, we've told them, you're looking at about a $75,000 project in development. And they'll say, great, that's exactly how much I have. But we won't take it, because that just gets you the app. That doesn't get you the marketing and the sustaining of the app and the support and handling the phone calls and all that. 
So um, I would tell him, make sure you have a plan in place. So as a company, you do software development, but you also, like, you're the responsible for getting the word out about LA Wallet? Yes, we do. Um, we, we're trying to be a 50-50 services company where we write software for other companies and, and large companies like Lamar Advertising and large hospitals. Um, but also we try to develop our little uh, stack of products that are out uh, selling and working for us. How very Google of you. It's very fun. <laughs> Gerald, your brother-in-law has a great idea too. He says that the thing about this app of yours, Play, is that it's just one kind of deal, a meal. People are looking for all kinds of cheap deals and retailers have all kinds of stuff they'd like to move out of their stores. That's why they have sales. Your brother-in-law suggests he joins you at Play and heads another division called Sale, which puts temporary local retail bargains on sale. He says it will be great for retailers and shoppers and it will double your revenue at play. What do you say to your brother-in-law? I say that's, that's a really good idea for a separate product. There's, there was a reason that we decided not to go with the other route and, and include the retail space and all that, especially because down here uh, in Lafayette, you know, going out to eat, that is the event of the night. And <laughs> if, you're wanting, if you're wanting to, uh, to go out and get something to eat, you don't want to have to sift through tire changes and pet grooming. You want to go find straight up the bar and restaurant deals that you're looking for. Uh, so I would say the retail spot, there, there is definitely an opportunity there, but I think that it would need to be a completely separate uh, idea than, than play. Do either of you find that people will come where they're good ideas and just think that that's the most important part? I've got this idea, you, you know, you can give me this much money for it and you do the little bit of work. Do you think that they seem to think the idea's the big thing and, and the other bit's easy, especially once you're successful? I would say definitely, because I was that guy that thought, oh, we got the idea, we're good. And then, <laughs> you know, naive, and we start to get into it and start to realize, okay, the idea is 1% of this entire thing. It's everything that goes behind it. So Ideas are... Well, anytime you've been around a table or a bar, there's lots of great ideas that people come up with. Uh, futurefuneral.com, you know, we get all of that all the time. Let's, let's do a funeral before I die. <laughs> you know, we get crazy ideas like, like this. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, up for that. But it takes a lot of work. And when we spell out, um, we can show you, this is another app that is similar in scope to what you're doing. And it took, you know, $100,000. It takes 10000 a month to run we can tell you what those look like in terms of size and scope. And it kind of gets you back to a reality check going, okay, well, how can I find some funding for this? Um, if you'd like to try some of your ideas, a lot of the colleges, the computer science classes, they have project classes where they'll take your idea and you become the client and they'll start working on it together as a team. It's, it's really great. So how, you have a whole team of people. How many people do you employ and what do they all do? Uh, we have 25 all Louisiana graduates, believe it or not. Um, we do uh, software development, we do user interface design and user experience design. We try to get inside of your head and figure out how your process works because a lot of businesses have unique processes that are proprietary processes. So we write software around the unique way that businesses do, uh, do business. Both of you, how did you get that balance between what's most important that the app works or that it looks good and remember the designer answering asking this question so where did you get that balance what's more important I would say the functionality has to be the most important if somebody pulls up your app and it just doesn't work it freezes every five seconds they're gonna they're gonna delete the app there's no point 
But if they if it functions and they get some value out of that, then the style comes into play. Where then it's the aesthetics, it's how you feel when you open it. That becomes very important. But you got to have the functionality for sure. Yeah, and it, it kind of changes over time. When you're early on trying to pitch your idea to somebody, if it looks beautiful and it has a little glitch, they will apologize to you. Oh, I'm sure that's nothing. It looks beautiful though. It looks great. Yes. But then if it looks bad early on and it doesn't work, it's junk. <laughs> so, but it changes over time as you get going. And, and one of the things I think that you've probably run in, into with Plate is the functionality starts to grow based on the feedback of the people using it. So we have a site called feedback.lawallet.com where, where the citizens are logging in and telling us, I'd like my concealed carry permit on there. I want my wildlife and fisheries on there. Can it notify me when my license is about to expire? So the citizens and the users start driving the next set of features, and I'm sure you have that with Plate and the, as well. And your app isn't just for when you get pulled over by the police, because that doesn't happen very often. You can now use it to verify different people. Explain that. Right. We have a, a unique innovation called Verify You, where I get to verify the validity of, of your ID um, as a peer. So you show me your ID using LA Wallet, and then I use a camera function on my LA Wallet, and it scans a secure image, looks like a QR code with your picture in it, and it goes back to the DMV in real time and confirms your name, if you're over 21, if your license is valid and not suspended. So Uber drivers, bars, yes. anywhere they need to verify your That's ID. Right. Or if you meet somebody online and you want to make sure they're A, over 21, and they are who <laughs> they say they are, you can use it for that as well. So I could download this and I could use it whenever I go buy some beer at the store. They That's right. take that. Perfect. Yes. Does that mean you're going to have to reach out to all the little stores to take this? Because well, that's a huge job in itself. Yeah, that's a great question. What you have to do there is all of the stores kind of obey the ATC, the Alcohol Tobacco Control. And we have we are in the, the stage, they've already approved LA Wallet, but we're in the stage called promulgation of rules where they have to make this, uh, this sort of holding waiting period so that there's no challenges. And then they will issue that to all of the retail establishments. And how long does that process take? Uh, it usually takes about 30 days, and we're right at the end of it right now. So they also um, have a thing called the Responsible Vendor Program. Like this restaurant has everyone trained on how to accept and how to recognize a fake ID. And they will be trained in the same way on how to recognize and accept LA Wallet. So does this mean an end to fake IDs? I think it's going to put a dent in it, but you know. Or is, is there an app out there for fake IDs that looks just like yours, only you, for fake IDs? And you if see not, how, could we do that now? Well, you see how young Gerald is, so. Hey, when they, I was 19, I would be very mad if you got rid of fake IDs. That's right. Those guys are going to be very innovative in the next few years. That's right. No doubt. When you developed, actually both of you, when you developed these apps, did you look at them from the customer's point of view that the app user or the people you're also selling to? So, with, you know, did you look at it, what do the restaurants get out of it, or do you have to do both? And equally, the state's point of view, what they wanted, or the end user? Well, yeah, for us as the naive user for this, you know, we came up with the idea, we just want to see all the specials. But then as we got into it, that was one of the questions we had to answer was, how do we make this beneficial to the restaurants? So immediately it turned into a nearly 50-50. I would say that um, it's about straight down the middle that we have to take care of the restaurants and the users. So it's, we're kind of towing a fine line, but um, you have to keep both sides of the equation happy in a dual-facing business.
Yes, anytime you're dealing with uh, user interface design or user experience, you have to start with the user. And a lot of times, development efforts start with managers, upper management, and they start driving the app. This has to work. Our app has to work. We have uh, our oldest license holder is 92 years old in our demographic for all of our users that are using LA Wallet. My mother's 88. She has an iPhone. It has to be simple. It has to be easy for her to figure that out. I, I know intuitively how to work a lot of apps because that's my business. But and we've I, grown up around apps. We know, sure. you know there's an instinct. Yes, and, and you have three-year-olds and two-year-olds knowing how to swipe and double tap and long press on devices today. But 88-year-old, you know, like my mom, she needs something that's super intuitive that just leads her along. So, Do you foresee a time when we don't have a license apart from on our phones? Um, I do, but I think we're, uh, it, it's an evolution, not a revolution. So we're still going to have those, uh, those cards for a good while, but probably with embedded chips. And, you know, a long time ago it was just paper. Now it's plastic embedded chips and now devices. Calvin and Gerald, the kind of conversations we've been having here today would not be out of place in Silicon Valley. The fact that we'll be able to have this conversation over a meal here in Lafayette and get into our cars to go home rather than getting on a plane to go back to California is a testament to where we are, both here in Acadiana and other parts of Louisiana. This kind of development hasn't happened by chance. It's the result of people like you who could live anywhere deciding to stay here. Thank you very much for that. We like having you here. Thank you both, Calvin and Gerald, for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Calvin Fabry, founder and president of Invoke, and Gerald Huffman, co-founder and CEO of The Plate App. You can find out more about Calvin and Gerald's app and much more by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get podcasts, and itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites it's acadiana.com and krvs.org Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's acadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM I'm Aileen Bennett thanks for joining me today I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Marcello's Wine Market Cafe on Calice Saloon in Lafayette Marcello's is open for lunch Monday through Friday and dinner Monday through Saturday, serving fine Italian cuisine with a full range of fine wines. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Destin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. 
Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.